everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Cultivate Church Online. We're honored you're here with us. We are in week three of a series we've titled, But God. If this is your first time with us, maybe your guest today, thank you so much for tuning in. We've enjoyed talking about just the moments in Scripture all month long where there was something going on in someone's life or a nation's life, and, and it didn't look good. Matter of fact, it, there was not a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. But then God stepped in, and there's all kinds of stories all throughout history. The truth is, there's really hundreds and hundreds of them, even in the Bible alone, where it didn't look as if there was a way out, but then God stepped in and did something incredible and made a way where there is no way. And all month long, we've been talking about that. If you've got your notes, you can find those right there online. We've read this passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 as our theme verse and it says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, we, when he raised Christ from the dead. And I love this. He puts in parentheses in case we didn't get it. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. You see, I've, I've figured this out in, in 37 years of living. There's one thing that, that dead things can't do. Come back. They can't do anything. You're dead. When dead things are dead, it is what it is. It's only by God's grace. There's nothing we could have ever done. We were dead in our sins. But God, if there was ever a moment that, that portrays what we've just discussed all throughout history where there was no way out, but God stepped in, but God showed up. I can think of many times in my own life, in my marriage, in my resources and our finances, growing up, seasons of life, stories where we didn't really see a way out. We didn't really see light at the end of the tunnel in certain seasons of our lives. But then God showed up in my own life. And maybe you can think of times in your own life where you didn't know which way to go or what to do next, what the proper answer was. But then God showed up in your life. Maybe Maybe you're here today and your faith really isn't strong or maybe you don't have a relationship with the Lord or for whatever reason you've tuned in and, and you've struggled with those realities in your own life. You don't really see moments in your life where the Lord has stepped in. But I can tell you, even when you don't see them or even if you can't look back and, and notice them, there have been plenty of but God moments in your life. Except for the grace of God. It's by His grace we've been saved. Well, it's Thanksgiving week, and there's all kinds of things that we can look back and be thankful for. And I can tell you this, I am incredibly thankful for these moments in my life. These have been markers. There are lots of markers in my life that I can look back on, and it's a reminder when I go through difficult seasons even now, that if God did something then, He can absolutely do something now. There have been plenty of those moments where I didn't know, but then God showed up. And week one, we talked about, but God said. We talked about a moment in Scripture where, where there were plenty of times where they didn't know what was going to happen. And they were worrisome about what would happen uh, in their circumstances. But then God spoke, and God spoke life into dead things. And He spoke healing into broken things. And there's plenty of times in our life, we talked about it in week one, where maybe we didn't feel good enough. We didn't feel as if we've accomplished anything in our life to be loved by God or cared for by God. Maybe you felt in your life where you've gone too far or done too much, and you've believed the lie of the enemy that God couldn't love you 
that he couldn't uh, receive you, that he couldn't accept you, that your family couldn't accept you or your church couldn't accept you. And then we spoke into uh, from Scripture, but God said something completely different. God says that we are loved. He says that we are valued. He says that he cares for us. And, and that's the hope of the gospel, that even when we think we've gone too far, but God, so rich in mercy, he loved us so much that he gave us his son. He brought us back to life with Jesus. And then last week, week two, we talked about, but God remembered the title of that message. And we said he remembers us, he rewards us, and he rescues us. Come on, have you ever felt a need for God to step in and do something where you didn't see a way out? That's but God, those but God moments. And then today, if you've got your notes, I want you to pull those out. We're going to be talking about the title of today's message is, but God is. You know, I did a search, just a quick Google search on what is God? What is God? And in that quick Google search, in 1.6 seconds, it, it produced 2 billion, 60 million results. 2 billion, 60 million results in less than two seconds on a quick Google search of what is God. Did you know that even today in 2020, it is one of the, the top most searched things in all of the world? Something to do with God. Who is God? What is God? It's a thought that many people struggle with. And I would say this, that most people in the world are searching and seeking out what that actually, really, authentically is. And then the problem is there are, in seconds, 2 billion, 60 million results. Everybody has their own preconceived idea of what God is or who God is. Webster's Dictionary says it this way, It's the perfect and all-powerful spirit of being that is worshipped as the one who created and rules the universe. And that's thought of uh, by hundreds and hundreds of different faiths and religions, and everybody's got their own idea of how we get to what that is is culturally culture largely defines god as really whatever whatever we want him to be if you were to ask an atheist as someone who doesn't believe in god what god is they would say that he is a made-up figment of your imagination to help you cope with the reality of life's difficulties it's a crutch that we lean on in 2019, research reviewed, uh, uh, revealed a study that reported that 10% of Americans actually identified with atheism, meaning they didn't actually believe in any God whatsoever. And that's, I, I, to me, it was kind of even a shock that it was only 10%, but it means that most every other person in America believes in some version of God. And some, uh, in your own idea, we have our own preconceived ideas of what that is. Many, because of their past or upbringing, have really have a kind of a messed up view of God. You may believe in God. You may be tuning in today and you go, well, I think there is some sort of God out there. But maybe you're in this camp where you think, man, God's just angry at the world. Or he's mean or unfair or un unloving. Or maybe you think this because so many people do that he's unapproachable. That who is this God and why does he allow all the stuff that happens in the world? But the truth is, for a long time, I lived my life in such a way that uh, I, I said I believed in God, but really the life that I lived didn't really prove that out. And there's lots and lots of people in this world who would say, yeah, I believe in a God. I think there is a God. And the truth is, though, they live their life in such a way that honestly, they, they, they live their life in such a way that they don't think there's a God. The, our actions speak louder than our words. 
we actually do what we believe. We actually live out the reality of what we believe. And, and so many people, especially in America, we have this cultural Christianity who says we believe in God, but we, never, we don't live our lives submitted to the authority of His Word. We believe in God, but we don't live our lives in such a way that we think that, that, that actually proves out that what He says in His Word is true. And so what is God to you? And today I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in and I'm going to share with you three things that God is. We're going to talk to you out of Luke chapter 15. You can pull your Bibles out or you can follow along in the notes. And and there's three parables that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15 as it relates to the kingdom of God and who God really is in our lives. And I hope, my prayer is, that this speaks to you because there's three things that I know God is in our lives. And if He does exist and He is real and He is powerful and He can restore and He can revive and He can build up, then maybe I can begin to start viewing and living and modeling my life in such a way that it does matter. Many people in our culture, I think, live our lives in such a way that I would call, uh, many people call this Christian atheism, meaning we say there's a God, but does our life actually live it and prove it out? So let's pray and let's dive into who God really is in our lives today. Father, we love you. We're We're thankful for your word. It's alive and breathing and for us. And I pray in Jesus' name that you do what only you can do. God, that you would use your word today to perform spiritual surgery on our hearts. God, to mold us, to shape us, to become more like Christ so that we can make a difference in this world and be and spend eternity with you in the next. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, you need to know this. The Bible reminds us that God is my shepherd. He's my shepherd. He talks about it in Luke 15. He said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he, will he, be joy- he will be joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. He reminds us that's the gospel. In this way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God over, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. We remind, the Bible all throughout the scriptures reminds us this, of this imagery that God is our shepherd. He is our protector. What is a shepherd? I looked that up this week, the role of a shepherd. You know this, they're, they're very consistent. The role of a shepherd is, number one, is to provide good forage for the sheep. The shepherd's job is to daily herd the sheep into a pasture with more than enough food to graze on. Because sheep, uh, are by nature, are, they demol- they'll, just, they'll, they'll demolish a pasture. There's never enough, so they will just eat until it's all gone. And it requires a shepherd to guide them and to direct them into more than enough food every single day. No, no herd of sheep can spend the, same, uh, the next day in the same place that they were the day before. And it requires a shepherd to guide them into safe and prosperous places for them to eat. It's the shepherd's job to protect. The shepherd must protect the sheep from poison, predators, and poachers. It's the shepherd's job. The sheep has no idea. There's hundreds of sheep in these herds, and they have no idea of what's coming after them. And it's the shepherd's job to pay attention because the sheep, all they are worried about is foraging and getting all that's left uh, wherever they've been led. It's the shepherd's job to provide health care. 
on a consistent basis. This is just normal, everyday jobs for a shepherd. Shepherds are often responsible for injuries and basic medical treatment of the herd, especially since they work primarily in isolated areas far from veterinary services. The shepherd protects and it guides and it, and it cares for medically the sheep. I love this one. It's the shepherd's responsibility to shear the flock. Unlike other animals that shed their hair in the spring, it says that many breed of sheep must be shorn. They have to shear their, their wool. They have their fleece cut off of them with, with shears or clippers. And if they don't, they literally will overweigh themselves. The wool will grow to such a point that in many cases it will, it will actually kill the sheep. It's the shepherd's job to maintain them and to take care of them. If he's my shepherd, that means that I'm the sheep. If he's responsible for all of those things, it's his job to take care of us. I found a video online uh, earlier this week of an example of what God's dealing with with us and sheep. You've probably seen it. You can check it out. Uh, you've probably seen this video where the shepherd is pulling the sheep out, rescuing it from certain death, lets it go, only for it to fall right back into the hole again. That's what our shepherd is dealing with. We are sheep. I looked up some sheep facts in case you were wondering what that looks like. Sheep are created with specific behavior traits. Knowing these, it says, as a shepherd, uh, it can make handling them much, either, much easier. See if this doesn't remind you of just us in humanity. Sheep are social animals. Try to keep them from seclusion. A secluded sheep is always an unhealthy sheep. Sheep by nature are followers. Let them follow and don't drive them as you would cattle. Come on, how many of us are that way? Don't push me. Don't, don't force me into something. I'll follow, but don't push me or force me. Come on, that's sheep. Sheep are good followers, but don't try to force them. They have good memories. These memories need to be positive ones as much as possible. It's actually been proven that sheep have good memories and that sheep can hold a grudge. Come on, is that you? Is that us? Oh, come on, we have got good memories. It's hard to forget moments or times or people that have treated us wrong or bad. If a shepherd mishandles a sheep, they never forget it. Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? They will, they will always be skittish in the herd if they're mishandled. They have great memories. It says they need to be as positive as possible. Sheep react negatively to loud noises and yelling. <laughs> I loved that one. It says to be calm around the sheep. It, it says this. This is an agricultural review site. This is literally a paper that was written about sheep. They tend to move in the opposite direction of the shepherd. Come on, God is our shepherd. How many of us have spent our lives just to and fro, moving in the opposite direction of the, of the Father, of our shepherd, whose goal, whose job is to protect us, to care for us, to, to provide for us. He is our shepherd. I love this. I found a pic online of, uh, of a sheep this past year in Australia. His name is Barak. Check this, this, this picture out. It's, he had been abandoned, and he hadn't been sheared in quite some time. You can see that he's way over... It says that his wool had grown so much that you can't even he couldn't even see. It had blinded him. They said when they sheared him, they took over 75 pounds of wool off of him. Check this out. They realized that once they had cut the overgrown wool off, they found that he was underweight, unhealthy, um, unfed. 
He needed great medical attention, having been abandoned and away from the herd and uncared for for some time. Far too many people have wandered from the flock. They've wandered from the safety of a shepherd. They're overweight and they're cares of this world. And they need you to know, well, you need to know that there's a great shepherd. And the Bible reminds us there in Luke 15 that he'll leave the 99. He'll leave those protected to find and search for the one. And he reminds us that our great shepherd, the Father, he'll, he'll stop at nothing to find and to help and to search for and redeem and bring back a lost Sheep. He's deployed. We know the Bible reminds us he's not just him. He's deployed an army of people. You know, God surrounded you with people who want to see God's best for you, want to see his best for you in your life. And maybe you today have wandered from the sheep. Maybe you've uh, the, the fold. Maybe you found yourself in isolation away from the safety of the shepherd. And you need to know today that he loves you and cares for you. It's his responsibility. He's our great shepherd and he's doing anything at all costs to find you and to bring you back. You need to know this. The shepherd isn't angry. You ever been in trouble? You ever done something in your life that you thought you were going to get in trouble, but you, it was so much that your parents forgot to punish you? I remember this one specific time that I thought I was going to be in so much trouble. Long story short, I had was playing in my parents' vehicle, and I knocked it out of gear, and the car rolled back into the driveway, and I was so scared that I jumped out of the car. The car rolled over me, and all I could think of in that moment, first of all, I'm alive. Second of all, my mom is going to kill me. My parents looked out the front door and saw me and were so worried, were so scared. They came and scooped me up, rushed me to the hospital, and everything was fine. Luckily, that, that I was safe, could not believe it. But I remember thinking the whole time, my parents are going to kill me. And they were so happy that I was safe and I was alive. You know, they never mentioned it. They never said a word about the dumb decision that I had made. And you know this, the Lord is more worried about your safety. He's more worried about your heart. He's more worried about protecting you and providing for you than he is about what caused you to be separated from the flock. He loves you. He's not angry. The shepherd's only desire is to get you back into the fold of safety and plenty and community. God is our great shepherd. He's a protector of the flock. You need to know that. Number two, you need to know that he's our steward. What does that mean? Well, he goes on to talk about it in Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. He says, Or suppose a woman has silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house clean and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, will she call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. Come on, God is our steward. I love how he paints a picture of a good steward in this, in this analogy, in this story that he's sharing in the parable of the lost coin. Suppose that she loses one. She doesn't just forget about it and say, well, I've got all, I've got so many more. It's just a coin. I've got, I've got tons of resource. No, it says she stops everything sweeps the house clean, does whatever she can do to find it. Why? Because she's a steward of those resources. She's responsible for those resources. And you know this, I've learned this, in a well-stewarded budget, every penny has a purpose. Every penny. 
If you're going to steward a budget well, if you're going to re- use your resources in a way that that uh, is best for you and is and, and is God's is God honoring, every penny has a purpose. Just because you lose one doesn't mean it doesn't have value. It has purpose. It has a place. And I've learned this growing up in my own life that if you tell your money where it goes, generally speaking, you'll know you'll have more of it if you steward it well. God is our steward. You may think you don't have a purpose or that your value is less than someone else's value. Come on, if you're thinking in terms of uh, budgeted items out and coins and resources, maybe someone else is a $100 bill and you value yourself as a penny. But I want you to know today that God is the steward and as God is our steward, He is great at budgeting out and every penny has a purpose. It's not a kingdom mindset. There aren't less valuable things over other things. Every penny has a purpose. That means you and me. God is our steward. He has a plan for my life and for yours. My hope is at the end of my life that I can look back and see that it has been spent for His glory. On purpose. For a purpose that I didn't waste my life. That I didn't, that I wasn't lost and not searched for and found. That I didn't live out the purpose that God had intentionally stewarded out for me to live out. You know, we do this with our own kids, right? Our job is to steward them well, to to show them, direct them, guide them, point them in the right direction in life so that one day they'll add value to culture, add value around us. Last week, I was Shepherd was hanging out with me at church, and I remember after church, he was kind of running around, and I told him not to do that, and I looked, and there he was doing it again, disobeying, and I made him sit right next to me. And he sat there for a few minutes, and he's, you know how kids can be. He said, Dad, when can I get up? And I looked at him. I said, well, son, you can, there's consequences to decisions. We have to uh, make better decisions. I said, now you can do one of two things. You can sit here and take this consequence, or you can get a spanking and, and speed up the consequence. And he looked, and he said, well, I think I'll take a spanking. I said, are you serious? And he looked up. He said, yeah. He said, this takes forever. So I said, okay, go to the restroom and wait. And sure enough, I walked in and he he proud, proud somehow took the spanking and he said, okay, am I, am I done? And I said, well, yes, sir, you're done. And he said, all right. And he walked back outside and he continued to play with his kids. And the rest of the afternoon, he was walking fast, walking at a brisk pace, uh, knowing that there would be consequences at, uh, in, uh, to the decisions that he made. And I'm just reminded as I think through even how I steward the decisions for my children now, that I'm, that I'm budgeting out the, the decisions that they make, the life that they're going to live, in hopes that they understand the value that they have and that it makes a difference in the world. Their hope is that they're going to grow up and add good value to the world around us. And do you know that's God's hope for us? Too many people don't see the value that they're adding to the world. But come on, right where you are, just take a deep breath. If you're breathing, you have value. Come on, God is your steward, and He is pointing you in the direction that is going to make the greatest impact in your world. I want you to write down three questions that I ask myself as it relates to my purpose. Because every penny has a purpose, and that means you and that means me. So what does that look like? Number one is... What is my purpose? Do I even know what that is? Have I even put thought into what the direction my life needs to be pointed in? You can 
Maybe you're here and you go, no, I don't, I don't even know what that is. I've been searching for that in all of the wrong places. And every time I think there might be some way that I've found a purpose, it always tends to be the wrong thing. Well, I want to encourage you. We can help you with that here at Cultivate Church. There's a place online. You can go to cultivatechurch.tv and you can search out what we call Roots. And Roots is our way to help you discover what that looks like. You can take a personality profile and you can take a spiritual gifts assessment and you can begin to discover and uncover your purpose in life. I can tell you, if you're breathing, God has a purpose for you. You may think you lack value, but you have infinite value, and God is your steward, and He wants you to spend your life in a way that's going to add value to the world around you. The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Maybe you're here today, and you've lacked purpose in your life. I want you to know that that can stop now. There is a God in heaven who has purposed your life and it can make an incredible difference if you'll search it out and you'll begin to walk it out. So what is my purpose? Number two, am I actually living it out? Okay, I'm learning. I'm beginning to discover these gifts, these talents, these passions that I have in my life. Man, that's purpose. Well, now how am I using it? How are you walking it out? Are you doing anything in your life, in your local church? Are you serving in the context of your local church? Are you on a team? Are you, are you using those things for the kingdom? In your job, in your neighborhood, with your family, how are you living out your purpose? And then the third question is, if I'm not, how do I begin? Come on, begin to answer those questions because God is our steward and he wants to point us in the direction so that our lives can be spent for our good and for his glory. And then number three, the last thing I'll share with you that God is, but God is our source. He's my source. I may think I may have lived my life in a way that doesn't prove out that I believe that really God is, but I'm telling you today, he's your source. I love the story in Luke chapter 15 because he talks about these parables and then he ends with the parable of the prodigal son. And the other two are actually lost things but the word prodigal actually means wasted. And we see two lost things that the shepherd found and then the, and then the woman found, the coin. And we see that they were lost and the Lord did everything possible to find them and restore them and celebrate it every time that he found them. And then you've got the prodigal. And the Bible reminds us that there was a son who wanted his father's inheritance. He was done uh, serving his father. So he told his father he did, all he wanted was his inheritance early. And the Bible says the father gave him that and he left his father with all of the resource that he thought that his father could give him. This is what belonged to him. And the Bible says that he went and wasted it all on wasteful living. He wasted his life and used all of the source that his father had given him, had saved up to provide for him. And the Bible says that at one point he finally found himself. He, was, he had lost all of his resource on wild living and, and all of the things. He lost it all and he found himself eating with pigs in a pig's pen. And culturally speaking, if this was a Jewish man, it would have been the bottom of the barrel. And the Bible teaches us that at that moment, he was at the bottom of the barrel. He, he didn't think he could go any further. It says that he came to his senses in verse 17. It says when he finally came to his senses, he began to talk to himself about how he had wasted his life and about how he had squandered the resource and the source that the father had given him and that his, his father's servants were living better than him and he was just going to go back and, and hopefully just be a servant to his father. 
And I love it. So it says it in Luke 15, verses 20 and 21. It says, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, the father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I think many people have wandered far from their source over the last couple of years. I think you've felt alone, you're weighed down, just like the sheep we just showed of all of the things of the world. You've wandered from your shepherd. You're not living in the purpose of your steward. And you feel as if you've squandered anything that the Lord could have ever done in your life. And there's no source left to do anything. You're overgrown with anxiety and loneliness and hurt and guilt and shame and sin and addiction and your brokenness. But God's not looking at the overgrown wolf. He's looking at you. I love how this story ends in such a powerful way. You can see this verse on the screen. It says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house. Put it on him. Get the ring. Put it on his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf. We've been fattening. I've been waiting for you, he says. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. Listen, so let the party begin. You may be here today and you have all of the excuses of why you're alone and why you're isolated and why you've left the shepherd and why you're not living in your purpose and why you've, you have no more source. There's nothing else that God could provide. But I want to tell you today, God's not a, he's not, he didn't just give you a small amount. He has an infinite source for you. He is our source. And you may be living your life, listen, trying to find any other way. You may have been searching all over the world trying to find the source. And I'm telling you, God is the only source that can satisfy. Today is your day. Come back to the Father. Come back to your source. I love it. The party won't start without you. He says, go get the calf that we've been preparing. He's been preparing for you. Today can be your day. Come on, I want to pray for you right where you are. You're saying, this is me. Man, I've, I've lived my life apart. I am... I have got the proverbial wool that's overgrown over my eyes and I'm unhealthy and I need a savior and I need Jesus. I need a shepherd. I need my purpose. I need to start walking in my purpose. I need to start living my life in a way that honors God. Well, today can be the day that you return back to the source. I love that the father, the son thought he had wasted, he had squandered everything in his inheritance, but the father had saved up even more. He thought what he thought he had squandered was actually limitless. And today I want you to know your source is limitless. His name is Jesus. He's not worried about your stuff. He's worried about you. So today you would return back to him. You would say, Father, forgive me of my sin. I've, I've failed you. I've squandered it. I'm isolated. I've walked away. I need a Savior. So Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. And from this point forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. God, I'm going to live my life in my purpose. I'm going to walk away from this today knowing I've met with the presence of God and it's making all the difference from this point forward. And I pray for my friends today that we would begin to walk out our purpose, that we would recognize that God is. You're our shepherd. You're our steward. You're our source. There's no one like you. 
And Father, we thank you for stepping into our circumstances right now and making all the difference. You'll get all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.